Hello and welcome to another episode of the CFS Health Recovery Podcast. In today's podcast episode, we sit down with Noura and her mother, Ruhi, from London, England, to talk about Noura's recovery journey from chronic fatigue syndrome. Two years ago, Noura was so exhausted and struggling with chronic fatigue syndrome that literally she was in her bed all day. Before she knew what was going on, she was falling asleep in school. She had horrible symptoms. She had nausea. She had brain fog. She had poor memory concentration levels, cognitive issues, and mostly extreme fatigue, lethargy. Her sleep cycle was out of whack. Crazy. Two years later, she's now attending school full-time. She's got goals and aspirations. She's an incredibly confident young woman who has just had an amazing journey and the thing I love about this interview is that it's not just about the physical it's not just about recovering from chronic fatigue syndrome Neura has had a complete transformation inside and out and you will be blown away at the transformation that this young woman has gone through on her own journey and we hear from her and just the amazing wisdom and insights of her story, but also her mother, who was along this journey, and it wasn't necessarily an easy one, especially at the start. So please enjoy this insightful, incredibly powerful story. She was told that she was going to suffer with this forever, and that this is just her new reality. And now that statement that that one doctor said is simply not true. Sit back, relax and enjoy this episode. Hello everyone, my name is Toby Morrison and on the other end we have Noura and Ruhi who are all the way over in London right now and they're jumping on to share their chronic fatigue syndrome recovery story with us. So I really appreciate you coming on today and mother, really appreciate you coming on as well because chronic fatigue syndrome is a team effort especially when it comes to recovery. It's not an easy journey. So yeah, I wanted to say thank you both for jumping on today. It's quite special actually, because Noura, I remember when you joined the program uh, early on when you were initially diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome and it was a big struggle for you. Before we get into the fun stuff and talk about where you're at now and what you've been doing, can you just tell us like a little bit about like how old were you when you initially started struggling with your health and we'll go from there. So I think I was in year 10 where symptoms started showing up just after the summer. So I would have been around 15 and it was quite slow. It was after I think my hamster passed away and that was like what tipped the scale, the straw on the camel's back. I was in bed for a few days and I thought I'm just grieving, but then it kept going. I was still in bed and then I was like, okay something's not right but I still had to go to school and then I was falling asleep in lessons and so when we realized that something was more wrong than just my hamster we started looking into it found a lot more symptoms and for ages it was like this blind chase we did a bunch of tests kept going to a bunch of doctors and everyone saying we don't know what's wrong with you it was quite frustrating what were some of the symptoms you were experiencing it was stuff like going to school and falling asleep in my lessons just the whole day and then when I come home I'm falling asleep again until dinner and just staying in bed the whole time, having meals brought up to me. I'm someone who likes to help out in the kitchen. So suddenly being in bed and upstairs and not helping out or just simply downstairs was feeling so alien to me. 
thoughts like what's wrong with me and what am I doing wrong just start popping up so mm. not a great time and then it was about say about six months until we got some kind of work towards an answer what was yes. that like for you Rui and- like for you as a mother what was that like for you heart-wrenching because she's a very outgoing independent girl she's a go-getter she doesn't sit still I call her a monkey since she was little because she would bounce off the sofas and things and I love that about her but seeing her go from that to bedridden it's like what's happened and I actually it was about three months when we got the diagnosis because we saw some specialists and the first doctor did actually say it could be chronic fatigue and I didn't want to accept it Mm. parent no it must be something else they diagnosed it wrong the diagnosis itself didn't help that's the point them diagnosing it and letting go stepping back so the specialists didn't do anything they just did tests and they gave a few what they thought were tips but I was still in denial for a very long time and Mm. I was trying everything and anything whatever anyone suggested I would do it's only when she crashed the following summer, very severe crash, because I was dropping and picking her to school then. She would rather take a bus, two buses to school and walk rather than me drop her in 10 minutes. That's how independent she is. So I was like, no, this year I'm picking and dropping you. And then in the summer, she had a big crash. It was completely bedridden then that entire summer. And throughout this, every few days, I'd just be crying. Because I was like, I don't know what to do. As a parent, you're helpless. And it's really weird looking back on it all because then no one can help you. And and that's the reason I didn't want to believe it was CFS. She had a few symptoms, but it's like how now people, everyone says to her, oh, no, you've got long COVID. Because that's what they recognize. Mm. They hear a few symptoms and they're like, oh, it's long COVID. And I'm like, no, it's not long COVID. (laughs) So only when she crashed, she got literally every single symptom and specialist was like really sorry to say everything but before that as soon as we did get the diagnosis very shortly after we did find your course I literally just googled CFS and you popped up and I was like let's have a look and what you were saying made sense we're also telling her all the wrong things to do. So she's crashing more, push-crash cycle. Mm. And then when I saw that first video of not to do the push-crash cycle, and you feel guilt as a parent that when you're telling them what you think is right, no, 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 just try this. You just got to push yourself a little bit. Mm. And then you see them suffer. You're like, I did that to them. You just want to look after your baby and I've hurt them. So we thought we were still limiting her energy by picking and dropping her to school that she can manage and I'll take her food upstairs in the night but that wasn't enough she still needed to conserve her energy more than we realized Mm. and then after that she just took over and it was every two weeks that you lift your head up from the bed that can be your next stage yeah you start at where you're at and build up don't start at where you're not at because then you'll never be able to be consistent with it that was it i couldn't believe that was the low she was going to the bathroom was her energy thing that she could do and then she gradually built it every two weeks herself and now i literally just let her tell me I still, as a parent, I'm still like, oh, but try this, oh, but yeah. do that. And she has so much patience with me. She's, she's like, like no, no, mom, I've got it. 
what was it like for you starting at such a low point? Like, I feel like a lot of people struggle at that point where they're just like, this is just pointless. What's the point of even starting here? Or they can't see the end goal that they will get better. They will improve. For you, how did you start at that level and just went for it? I just feel like you didn't self-sabotage. You didn't beat yourself up. You weren't self-loathing yourself all the time. And I know you might have before you joined the program, but what helped you just get on with it and just start with where you were currently at? Okay, so I'm human. So I did have those kind of thoughts at times. Good to know, good to know. Yeah, but I think... At that time, I didn't think I'd get better. And I know people are always saying, you know, have hope or it will get better. But hearing those things don't really help me. If you're not seeing any sort of evidence in front of you, it's just off-putting. It's like that false encouragement. So I just sort of took everything that I could do as an opportunity. So when I was bedridden, since I couldn't like sit up and study or anything, I just had a lot of time to lie down and think. And I just started evaluating all the things that were going wrong right now, stuff I could fix. And this was before I joined the course. It was things like I had a bit of a problem in school with bullying and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was like, why is that happening? What have I done to garner that kind of attention? Is it something I'm doing? And I realized, you know, you said I was giving and stuff, but at that time I was a little too giving. I gave everything. I played this role of sort of entertainer and people took advantage of that and suddenly I realized I didn't have respect in that school I saw it clearly when I had less energy to live up to that role people were like why aren't you living up to that role they suddenly didn't treat me like I'm human too I had nothing but time I lay down I thought how do I want people to perceive me how do I want people to treat me I want respect so therefore I need to not go the other extreme and be cut off or cold mm-hmm. just have a certain set of boundaries which was something I ironed in a lot better once I started the course but mm-hmm. at least that's where I started acknowledging the problem and then even little things personally like sometimes I talk too much I like talking but I might reveal too many secrets <laughs> so, <laughs> just things like having a better control on that You're not over explaining yourself Yeah. So that whole time it was like finding a formula, which is what I've basically done for everything now. It's always finding a formula. And then the moment I get a chance to put it into practice or test out my new formula, I do it. So I wasn't going to school at that time. But while I was at home, I was like, okay, so I can do this. I can do that. Figuring out the things that not only work for me, but are like easy to do or just doing it in small stages to get to that point. Like, for example, when I did start going to my new college, I was a bit quieter at first and sort of observe more, get to know the people around me, who would I most likely like to be around. And then I started testing out my formulas and I found out that just luckily they worked really well instantly. So now I know what it's like to have respect, to be treated properly in a more mature environment. And it just feels so much better mentally as well. Yeah, and physically. In the program, for the people who aren't in the program, when people start, we build their baseline out first, which is to basically just stabilize your health, stop pushing and crashing all the time so you can just get a steady, consistent stabilization, which is the foundation before you build the house, basically. And then you can build the house, which means go and do whatever you want to do, basically, 
appropriately over time to the point where your house is fully built and you can go and enjoy it and go and enjoy life. And so you start with the I can list and for the physical side of things, you obviously had heaps of time to think and process, which I'm blown away by you at 15 years old to be going through this stuff and to process this with maturity and dignity is just incredible. Mum, you must be so proud. It almost makes me cry. It's just amazing to hear you talk. This young woman is just amazing. For the physical side of things as well, was that just a process of building up over time, you know, like starting with just sitting up in bed and then going to the toilet once a day or twice a day and just building up your physicality, eating in bed, eating at the dinner table, maybe changing from your pajamas to normal clothes throughout the day, things like that. So the mental thing was the stuff I felt I could do then because like I said, I didn't see a goal. I didn't see me getting back to normal life. So I just did whatever was in front of me. And I thought, I don't mind if this is how I am for the rest of my life. I just found ways to adapt each time to each stage. You know, you're supposed to do it like two weeks, but I think mine was a bit longer, I'd say about a month. Because when I started moving a little more, I might get another symptom and then I have to adapt to that. So it was mainly, yeah, it was first just getting up from the bathroom and then going back to bed. And I wasn't sleeping in bed. I was very much awake and it was frustrating because I was bored. I love writing, so I wanted to write or I wanted to do my homework, but I just didn't have the energy for it or it would hurt to sit down. So I think going from lying down to sitting in bed was my first major thing because if I could sit in bed, I could have a desk on the bed and I could study in bed and that's when my GCSEs started, Mm. like my tuition. I was doing revision all in bed and then... We were getting things organized, like having my exams done at home. I just want to emphasize that she went from doing tuition. She was catching up with the whole year before work that she was falling asleep in the classes when everyone else was halfway through the year. They've done their mock exam and she started one-to-ones and she caught up and she sat the exams at home and she more than met their expectations yeah i bet she did my husband was like what could you have done if you didn't have cfs Mm. he was just blown away because it was so little time we thought she can't do this yet we were really expecting her she has to retake the year but then they were like no if she just does three gcse exams instead you know let her do that it was amazing i had to say that because it felt like she was belittling it that progress from bedridden doing online classes in bed and then within a few months sitting exams at home and then from there it's just what's the word upward trajectory yeah it sounds like you're in a good routine even though you couldn't do much you figured out a way to make it work for you with where you were at and that's a really key important piece that most people actually don't understand they just think it's either you're sick or you're healthy and there's nothing in between and that's why they're stuck you came into the program, you were stuck, you were helpless and hopeless. And even when you were in the program at the start, you probably didn't believe that recovery was potentially possible for you, which is normal, but you still showed up. It's not like you just gave up. You're like, well, I'm just going to do what's in front of me, like you just said. But did you get into a bit of a routine rhythm with your food, eating at the right times, making sure that your sleep schedule was better? I know sleep was a big problem for you at the start. You were going to bed really late. And it was hard for you to reverse that back. That's something we worked on together in the program, I remember vividly. Yeah, the advice you gave at the time was really helpful, that sort of thing of just forcing yourself to be awake and 
earlier hours of the day or like for the whole day then hopefully you can fall asleep later my sleep schedule is a lot better mm. like a lot i fall asleep at about maybe 1 30 a.m like i get sleepy around 9 p.m so i go to bed at that time which is good I'm... which is really good for you because you were like up at all hours i remember and that's the problem with chronic fatigue syndrome most people think you just sleep for 24 hours a day basically and that can be true at the start in stage one in that acute stage where the lethargy is really big you've got that extreme exhaustion and you need to sleep 16 18 hours a day but what happens is that screws up your circadian rhythm and then your brain and body don't even know what time of day it is and then that throws off your digestive system and immune system and so our goal for you is to reverse your sleep cycle back to a normal tiredness when you got to that 9 p.m so I'm actually really happy to hear that. <laughs> but it wasn't easy. It's not like it happened overnight. But I feel like the routine throughout the day is what actually helped you create a better evening routine and better quality sleep as well. It was after my GCSEs that I thought, I've mentally exhausted myself. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to go to college once the summer's over. So I'm going to dedicate my entire time this summer to getting my stamina up to lasting a full school day. So like I said, first stage was sitting up in bed. Then once I could do that, I moved to my seat for an hour. And sometimes the physical and mental stamina didn't align. So even if I felt like it was okay to sit for an hour, I didn't want to do my homework. Slightly inconvenient, but it's fine because I'd still sit there and I might play a game or something. Something to keep me there. Yes, this is exactly, this is perfect. It wasn't like black or white. It's not like, all right, I have to do it perfectly. It's like, no, this is my schedule. I'll just show up. I'm setting it appropriately for me. And you know what? I don't feel like studying today. My brain's not quite there. So maybe I'll just do a task that's a little bit easier. This is brilliant. So helpful. I make formulas and then apply them. A lot of them are very helpful in that way. So like, for example, my formula for studying is shorter spans and lots of breaks. That's how I study faster. I might get up for lots of times during the day to sit at the desk. Yes. But they're all short amounts of time. And then I started doing things like writing again. So I thought if I'm doing something that I enjoy, I might stay there longer. I'll start waking up that part in my brain again. And then as I kept improving to the point where I could move around my room comfortably, maybe be doing more things at my desk, even if it is just playing games, other symptoms started showing up. What kind of symptoms? It was things like suddenly dairy didn't suit me well or certain foods were smelling really strange to me. Yeah, I was really sensitive to smell and if it even smelled a little icky to me, I just suddenly felt like I want to throw up. Nauseousness was a massive factor for me. Mm -hmm. Luckily, that's gone away quite a lot. It sometimes mm -hmm. comes back with anxiety. But yeah, nauseousness used to be the thing that probably stopped my life most of the time because it was so overwhelming. She loves her spicy food and she's not, she's not seeing yeah. her yet. No. I didn't have headaches, strangely. A lot of people in the group seemed to be having headaches. And I was like, thankfully, I'm not. But yeah, I've had everything else. And then, oh, yeah, there was also aches and pains. Yeah, the aches and pains are terrible. Like yes. I said, sitting would hurt my bones or I've always felt very heavy where I can't hold my own head up mm. or my back. So my posture would be terrible too. And I was just thinking, how am I going to find the strength to fix that, get the strength back in my back and neck to hold myself up, especially during studying. I used to on the chin like that. 
it was a problem. I acknowledge the problem, but I honestly never found a solution. It was something that solved itself on the way. And I didn't realize I was consciously doing it, but it was just constantly sitting at a desk whenever I could and doing things that ended up building it up again. I'm so All glad I you're saying this. For the people home and listening to this, I hope you're taking notes on this because honestly, you're literally describing the recovery process that people just seem to think there's a magic answer for, but it's literally just showing up and doing the work. Not pushing yourself, but finding your baseline being consistent with it and just showing up and doing it. And over time, as we always say, and you're probably sick of me saying this, Nura, when you do the right things at the right time, the right things happen and you've got to keep building your capacity. That's what it's about. And it's hard because in a time where you don't feel like it and you're exhausted and like you said, there's aches and pains, this is the last thing I want to do. And you just want to stay in bed all the time, but then you know that that doesn't help you either. The opposite with aches and pains, that you want to move sometimes. You start yeah ping pong at college that is like far ahead though that's like more recently <laughs> this is now yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i can't wait yeah, to get into where you're at now <laughs> before we get into where you're at now which is just amazing i can't wait to share it with everyone what were the biggest challenges for you when you joined the program if there were any attending the calls you know how zoom calls started for schools yes. right people were doing it from home because of covid being there and having the teacher watching me, then I did the work. Some teachers didn't. Some were like, oh, just do it for homework. And then most kids didn't do it. So that's the same in that way, that if I wasn't there live for the call, having people watching me, having to be conscious and sitting up, I probably wouldn't watch a recording. I think there was one recording I watched, honestly. I'm very sorry. No, I'm like you. I'm the same. I think everyone's different, but I need accountability. If I don't have accountability, I'm just not going to do the work. And there's me thinking that she was watching all the recordings. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, there are lots of trainings that I'm sure she watched, but maybe not the core recordings. But this is the thing that most people don't understand. And the people who are doing really well in the program aren't the people going, oh my God, I need to be on every call and I need to watch every single video to get better. No, they calm down and they go, what do I need next? Or what do I need right now? That's really what it's about. It's not about consuming heaps of content because information is information. We don't need more information sometimes. We just need application most of the time. We know what to do. We just need to implement it. Like you were saying before, it's a marathon, not a sprint. That's one key thing from your course we learned. There's heaps of things, but that was one. <laughs> uh, I thought the recordings were great because somebody different would probably watch them when they can because yes. you guys were recorded you watch when you want and that gave me a lot of peace that okay she's not going to miss out when she's got the energy she can switch on she can do it it's mm. her choice that she didn't and then I think that's because her being a teenager I had to let her do it she needs to find herself and what yes. works for her I had to let go a lot during this, which is tough for the CFS, but that's why I didn't always check in with how she's doing and what she's doing, because I've got to trust her. I think at the same time, she's been my biggest support. So her having access to the videos as well, it was like, if I didn't have the energy for it, she could watch it. I can't guarantee when I'm going to have energy or simply want to listen to everything. When I was having more problems with my diet, I can't focus on stuff like that like concentration just goes away but for her since she's the one making the food now it'd be helpful for her to know yeah so watch the nutrition videos and download the cookbooks and all that kind of stuff i'd love to talk about this because nura did you want to join the program or did your mum make you join the program 
she made me. Wow, interesting. <laughs> so she sent me the same video talking about a baseline. She sent that to me and it just stayed on my watch later for a while. And were you like, um, who's this Toby Morrison guy? I don't want to <laughs> listen to another person talk about this stuff. Much anything at that point, to be fair. She was That's like, true. I, I got five minutes I, in and I was like, I'm tired. I would have had to hold the phone by her for her to hear it. So I had to take over at that point. This seems like a really good idea. This makes sense. This is the first thing that makes sense. Because after getting the diagnosis of CFS, like I said, from the doctors, they put us on a waiting list. And that waiting list was six months later, I got an appointment for another six months later. And we had already covered your course in that time. So I was like, I'm gonna do something. I can't just sit here because we are making her worse. We are in the dark. We are the blind leading the blind. So doing your course, when I looked back on it, when I got that appointment, I had forgotten all about it. And the doctor was even saying to me, the specialist, cause I said, I'm joining this course. I said, why are you doing that? They said, they're gonna do all the same things. And I said, no, that's fine. But then I thought to myself, I don't know when the appointment's coming. I'm not just going to sit around. So your thing, because it's online and everything, straight away. And, and actually helpful information. And now yeah. on hindsight, first interview with the doctor was great. But the help that's been given has only been CBT. Mm. And it's not for CFS sufferers. She doesn't know about CFS. No, it, it's, so it makes me so angry. That. You know, the whole reason why I started CFS Health was because of this. You know, you would go from doctor to doctor and you would wait another six months. I'll come in here and then we'll check on you again. And then you'll see another specialist. And there was zero practical help back then, over two decades ago. There was no YouTube or any stuff online. It was really bad back then. And unfortunately, it happens still now. It could have happened to you if you weren't proactive and they go, oh, we'll just have to wait it out because that's the answer. And then they do the course and it's a management program. It just says, this is how you live with your illness. It's like, no, you know, if you get trained like that and taught that you can only manage it, then you're literally just believing that thought that it's only manageable. So you've set the ceiling so low already for the possibility of what your life could be like or your health could be like if you actually got healthy. That's what scares me is where would we be now without mm. this course? I can't imagine. I don't know if my, even my relationship would have survived, to be honest with you. Wow. My husband's been so supportive and that's all credit to him. But if we didn't have this guidance from you guys, I don't know where we would have been. I honestly don't know what would have happened. He's been really patient. A lot of this is down to patience, of course, the very gradual progression you have to make which will say, oh, I slept at two in the morning. I'm like, oh no, why? And like, oh, I used to sleep at five every morning. I think the thing you were saying about family is that basically if I didn't have supportive parents, it would have made this a lot harder because mm. like I said, you get people saying you should be doing this and, you know, that push crash cycles. And let's say one did support me and one didn't, then they might clash as well. You know, one saying, no, they should be doing that. And then one saying, no, they need better boundaries, which, stuff like which that. Which is what was happening in the beginning. Mm. It was because it was confusing. Mm. We didn't really understand what was going on or what I should be doing. But as it all started clearing up, it basically just made us all very understanding of each other and brought us to a better place. But it's true, though, like the uncertainty and, yeah, the guilt, the frustration... 
it's really interesting that you took charge. And I think sometimes you do as a parent, you have to just do that. And I've had that multiple times with parents where we say your child needs to be on board with this because it's not going to work without your child saying yes. Because if you're the mom and you're like, all right, we're doing your baseline and then we're going to have a routine instruction. We're going to improve your sleep and we're going to get your nutrition sorted. Your kid's just going to go, no, I'm exhausted. In that way, I have to say that compared to other kids, she tries to listen. She does listen. I'll still always kind of maybe want more or get impatient. But compared to other teenagers, they'll just be stubborn and say no. I'm glad she did learn to say no with me, especially culturally. It's like, we don't say no to our parents. And oh, <laughs> yes, of course. I'm yeah. like, okay, bite my tongue, bite my tongue, because she needs to find her boundaries because this is important for her life, not just about me and her. And it's because she's so overgiving with everything that even now I tell her, stop it. She comes down and she starts emptying the dishwasher. I'm like, Nura, what are you doing? And she can't help us. She can't <laughs> just come and be fed, which is amazing. But she listens. And that's why I think she did take on board everything she needed from the course. Like you said, it's what she needed when she needed. Yes, and exactly. I need to mention Erin because she was on my interview call. When yeah, so you must have found the program online. And then you booked in an enrollment call with Erin. And yeah, I know you said at the start of this call to me how for you, it was just such a relief for you. As a parent, being in that, I don't know what to do place, but mm. she's a young adult. She's successful doing what she's doing, everything. And I think I asked her a question like, what do I do? I was really broken. Will she be herself again? Mm. I think one of the specialists said to me, she will never be herself again. A statement like that from a doctor, because I was saying you were expecting us to trust you. Who are you compared to doctors and specialists? People trust them more naturally. And I'm not listening. They're not giving me much, but <laughs> what they're saying isn't making sense. And then you come along and that one video about the baseline, I was like, oh, that kind of makes sense. It's the best thing I've heard so far. Let's see. Mm. And when I spoke to Erin, and I didn't know that she, I mean, I know the majority of you were CFS sufferers. But she said, I was housebound and now I'm back to my passion of surfing. And I just broke down crying. It all came out because I have just heard my daughter will never be herself again ever in her life, get used to the new her, to you're surfing again? Like, of course she can do anything then. So it just gave me hope. And I was like, we're signing up. And I've never looked back. I think in a sense, those doctors were right that I'm not myself, the person I was before. But then again, everyone changes. So it's true for everyone. Yeah, but they were saying you're going to stay sick like that forever. That's what they were saying. They weren't saying you're going to develop into an amazing woman with boundaries and self-esteem and self-respect and have goals and dreams. I think that statement was part of why I didn't see a goal. And why I was just like, all right, I'll just take what I can get in front of me. And I was thinking, all right, so I go to school and I come home to sleep. I'm fine with being like that for the rest of my life. It was that sort of, I can settle for this kind of mentality that I had for a while. And then I was like, wait a minute, I'm getting better. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I love about the program is obviously there's so many great people in there. And you meet people and they post online, they go, oh my God, I just did my first holiday in Europe or 
I just passed my first exam or, you know, I just ran for the first time in four years. Did that kind of give you hope and inspiration and basically erased that one sentence that one person in the world said to you, which was so diminishing at the time? Did that help erase that and see a different possibility? Yeah, so when I saw those posts, I didn't know what stage each person was at. People saying they've gone on holidays or they're going for a walk with their dog. I'm like, that's great, but I don't know where you are at that point. That's fine. I tend not to look at posts like that. But when I did see it, I was like, oh, that's nice. People are getting out. Or just the fact that they are posting something that they're passionate about their recoveries. I thought that was a nice thing to see. Then in the comments of everyone's being their cheerleader was also Mm -hmm. very nice. I thought what was good was that even if your recovery is slow or everyone's at a different stage to you or you're maybe not improving as well as the other people are on that group, it's still possible to be the cheerleader for someone else. I guess it's like a subconscious thing. You keep seeing the positivity, you start feeling it in yourself, even if it's not a conscious thought. Exactly. You hear me talk about proximity and environment is so important, who we surround ourselves with, the people, the things, the information. So it sounded like you... It wasn't so much the other people. It was just you showing up and doing the work and eventually going, oh, my God, I'm getting better. She did at one point say to me that she she really loves that she's got this group of people that understand what she's Mm. going through. Nobody else out there does. And they'll give her the wrong, oh, just do this. Oh, just do that. Here, she doesn't need to explain it. Everyone gets it. You did mention to me that was very supportive. The thing about that is the thing of explaining it's usually when I'm not being like normal people outside or not doing something for a certain reason outside and then someone asks, then I have to tell them about CFS. It's draining each time because for you, you've said the story so many times. There's the short version and the long version. The long version is, let me tell you my life story. <laughs> the short version is, I'm a very tired person. <laughs> so, I'm very happy. To just, I'd really much rather say, sorry, I'm just tired. I have chronic fatigue and I know what fatigue means. So they're like, okay. And sometimes they don't ask more questions and it's fine like that. Or there was this thing, I still have this kind of stigma of having CFS define me. I don't like it. Because while I realize it is important to set out, like let's say you're applying for a job, you tell them I have CFS. You know, you got to get that down first so that they are mindful of maybe the help you need, right? But I was like, whenever I go into my classes, especially starting the new school, I didn't really want to tell my teachers I have CFS because I felt like if I do that, it's almost like I'm putting my excuse down first. I was more like, I want to show you what I can do Mm. and then tell you I have CFS. So you're like, oh, wow, that's even more impressive. I don't know. Mm. We disagreed with that way of going about it. So I thought she should tell them first because otherwise it will seem like an excuse. I thought if it came up, (laughs) I thought if I fall asleep in a lesson and then they're like, you know, stay behind, let's talk about this. Why are you falling asleep in my lesson? Then I'll explain it. I'd rather that way, honestly. Yeah. And everyone has their different approaches as well. And I think you just choose the approach. Nira, I know you lost a lot of friends through this circumstance. And I know a lot of people at home right now feel the same way where When you go through something like this, you're not the same person. For you, you were the entertainer. You were the life of the party, perhaps, to a lot of people. And all of a sudden, you couldn't be that person. And so people, especially friends or so-called friends that you thought were friends, kind of weren't. 
what was that like for you and how did you deal with that? Because I know a lot of people at home right now are feeling the same thing where they can't be the person they used to be and then their friends go, well, who are you now anyway? I had a group of, there was five of us, one of which had gone through problems with their health before and I was helping her in that, trying to be there, supportive. And it was really hard to see that. And then I also had another friend outside of that group who was also having some of her own problems. So I helped them too, first with their problems. And then I got diagnosed. And whilst they were better slash recovering, suddenly I was having my problems and I didn't have energy to do anything for even myself anymore. So I was like spending my break and lunch in a classroom asleep on a desk instead of on the field with my friends. And suddenly they were like, oh, what, why aren't you being there? Why aren't you spending time with us? And there was always that sort of toxic mentality of it's us five forever. It was not good. But Mm. from it, I learned that it's all right to have more friends. Because then I also learned to distinguish who's there just for the fun times and who's there for the bad times too. Because those two friends I helped before, they were the only two who ended up helping me when I needed it. So whilst the other three criticised, those two helped. And I suddenly saw that just having one friend to sit with me in a dark classroom whilst I sleep, we're not even talking. But mm. them just being there, Same that's there. when I realised this is a friend, right? Someone who can support me. If I didn't support her first, I have no doubt she would have still supported me. So it was learning to find that kind of person. And granted, mm. there were not many in that school. And then I wasn't there for year 11 and they were alone at school, but I could still keep in contact over text. We started talking more and it was things like cutting off those toxic relationships. And I was thinking, yes, I thought these people would be my friends forever. And it really hurt to let them go, even though they treated me rubbishly. But at the same time, I was like, why would I stay in this relationship if I'm still getting hurt? So I thought cutting it off first, that was the hard part. But once I did that and spent time with that other friend, or at some point I felt like I just needed time alone, you know, like I said, I was sorting stuff out with myself. It was all suddenly very enlightening that I don't actually need other people, especially toxic people, or like, you know, more quality over quantity, mm. that I don't need more people to make me feel happy. I can be happy. I learned how to be happy in my own company or happy with people who treat me right we don't even need to be having fun all the time we don't need to be laughing all the time we just need to be understanding of each other and Mm. just having that I think going through our own struggles throughout high school life brought us closer as well because we suddenly started to realize who was more immature these girls who were so focused on fun all the time and they just weren't growing up it made us realize that we keep being around them will bring ourselves down too and we know we can be more mature than that I'm glad I did that before I stopped going to that school because after finding that out and then going to a new school more mature people I realized if I had stayed with those friends and then gone to the new school I would have been so immature I probably would Mm. have made all the mistakes again and that's just sabotaging myself yeah it is it's sometimes you just gotta as harsh as it sounds get rid of the negativity in your life anything that's holding you back and draining your energy in a time where energy is so precious you need to let it go Nira, when you graduated the program you were doing so well how long were you in the program for about a year or something and 
you did this brilliant post and we jumped on a call and I was like, how are you going here? I haven't seen you in a few months. And you were like, I'm doing so well. So I've moved schools and I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And my sleep's better. And I'm, I think you did your first full day at school at the time, potentially. And I said, would you mind sharing how you did it to the group? Because everyone kind of shares their wins and their learnings. And one of the things you wrote here, and I'm not going to read out, your post was amazing. It was basically like a book. And I was like, Nura, I didn't ask you to write a book. I just said to just do a little post for everyone. And Nura just did this amazing, colorful kind of PDF for everyone. And, you know, it's got so many likes on it. But you did the piece about all these different things that helped you, movement, mindset, dealing with trauma, boundaries, friends, building up your capacity, academia. And then you wrote conclusion. And on the before side, it was lack of energy, completely bedridden, asleep at day, awake at night. You had poor memory and retention, poor conversational skills, nausea and aches, depression, low tolerance to screens, loud noises, et cetera, bad habits that sabotage recovery and a feeling of hopelessness. That's what you wrote here. I've got it right here on my screen right now, my iPad. Now you said where I'm at right now is steadily rising baseline, awake all day, resting appropriately, partially sleeping at night better memory and improved conversational skills. I know you had a big piece about your mum and your relationship and how much better that was. There was this real amazing cohesion there, no nausea, increasing tolerance, learned habits, feeling optimistic. And the thing that I want to point out here is this last sentence, feeling of optimism in all aspects of life to the point that I'm grateful for CFS. Can you tell me like, why are you grateful? You know, you first think of CFS, you think it's bad or it sets you back so far. But for me, I think it was like just pulling the brakes for a little rest and just basically life stopping me and saying, you think you're doing good, but you're not. You need to have a little break, reevaluate and then go again, restock and everything. So I basically had to check out everything I knew and start again. I'm grateful to CFS because... Even though I was bedridden and super achy, instead I was given time to reevaluate things. And then obviously you have to use that time wisely. So because I did, because I learned to find toxic people and stay away from them, learned how to set my own boundaries. It was loading my train up with all those formulas and then setting off again that made the journey a whole lot smoother. It improved our relationship too. You know, we were already close. But yeah. setting the boundaries, yeah, I guess that's a side thing, me saying, no, mom, sorry, I can't lift that, or I can't go downstairs right now. That's mm. a small thing, I'd say, although that is where it started. It helped me to say no to bigger things as well, and not just to my mom, to other people too, and not so much. I wouldn't say not care, but not be so impacted by what other people think that, oh, no, I have to lift that thing because otherwise they'll think badly of me. It was learning how to do all those things and being happy in my own company. It's this sort of stuff that they don't tell you in school, that you're going to be alone for some time in your life. How are you going to cope? Are you going to just spiral down? No, I know I've built up a lot of skills that is going to help me in the future. And I know that because I've already got these formulas that even for situations I haven't anticipated in the future because I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I know that I am somewhat prepared. I feel like because I have been constantly adapting to all these new symptoms and just each stage of my baseline, this this skill of adaptation has been added to my arsenal. Mm -hmm. So now like whatever life throws at me, I'll be able to find a way to adapt. I'll be able to find positivity in it because 
that's who I am and that's who I've trained to be. Before we knew the answers, I would say that too, because in our religion, that's one of our sayings, is that everything happens for a reason. You don't know what this is strengthening you for. So mm. that's why I keep repeating to her in the beginning that I don't know the wisdom behind it. Why do you have to be suffering right now and missing out on these young, useful years with your friends where you want to be sociable? That's what everyone wants, right? These kind mm. of years. But they're very formative. Now looking back, it's like they were formative in an even better way because I don't know what kind of relationships she's going to be encountering or even bosses can be pretty bad and things like that. And I just thought, now she's equipped and she's strengthened and I'm not so scared anymore. We always used to talk about her moving out for university because she wants to do that. And mm. I wanted her to do that. And as soon as CFS happened, I was like, that's not going to happen now. Now I can actually say, yeah, I sometimes threaten her with, no, you're not well enough yet. From where you are, no, you're not moving out. <laughs> but no, I can see now that she can. I do you can do it that's what our faith came into it a lot to help us with that kind of thinking you reminded me when you said sounds she couldn't hear i totally forgot she couldn't be sitting next to me and hearing She's me very like loud that. most mums are <laughs> it's my kind of voice as well that she's like i can't hear you it was like a certain frequency i was just so sensitive yeah you were just so too sensitive yeah more than six months or maybe longer that we had to come in the room and whisper around. And even that, she was like, you're too loud. And mm. that's why our relationship became more withdrawn mm. because we, we talk a lot. Mm. Now, taking for granted again how much we talk. So, Neuro, like, just to fast forward, where are you at now? Just did a day in the life of Neuro, just to see a contrast of where you were to where you're at now. Okay, so going to school full-time. I'm not taking the bus to school. Yes, yeah. if I have a late start, because I have an extra hour, I can still get up at normal time and leave and just be chill. Otherwise, my mom drops me. Then I go to school full time. I'm now awake in all lessons. At the start of the year, <laughs> I would have my head on the desk and everyone's like, oh, no, we're not sleeping again. My concentration, again, at the start of the year wasn't great. I was excited by the new content and everything. So that partially kept me awake but as the year started going on my concentration started going again because I was still building up my physical stamina and not so much my mental so my memory started going down and right now memories are pretty low and it depends on what you're working on too but I also feel like your level of what good is is extremely high for the average person <laughs> you know what i mean you're a very high achieving person when i asked you before this call because you're doing so well i said what do you want to do do you have any idea because i feel like you are an amazing person and you're just like i want to be a lawyer or a barrister and uh, yeah that makes sense like of course you're going to be that <laughs> when i say memory is bad it's because i'll forget what i'm saying mid-sentence or like i ask someone when is the date for this is this? And they told me, she just told me, I looked down at my phone to write it in and I said, sorry, what's the date again? Yeah. And we did this four times in a row. There was nothing in between to interrupt that. You know, when sometimes when stuff like that happens, it gets me down because it's a, like a reminder right in front of you, your memory is still not up to par. And so it's kind of daunting. But again, I'm treating it like I treated the other stuff that this is where I'm at right now. I can get better i'll just do what i can little by little Nura, let me remind you that you couldn't even sit up in bed almost a year ago you're at school full-time 
Yeah, so now I'm signing up for a lot more stuff. Like, for example, I said I like moving around because moving around stops the aches and stuff. Yeah, um, good for you. I do a lot of testing and rewarding as well. So if I, like, go outside to play ping pong at lunch, it's a test of can I do this and still do my lesson after. Sometimes I might push the boundaries in that way a little just to check. It's like a check of where I'm at. And mm. if I can do my lesson after that just fine, then my little reward, if I don't give myself a physical reward, which I don't normally like chocolate, whatever, I don't do that. Just having in my head that, well done, you did that. So yeah, ping pong sometimes. So like when my friends are going to go get something, I might not be getting something, but I'll tag along or walk yeah. with them to the high street in a break or something. And then I'm also signing up for not so much physical things. I'd say ping pong is the most physical I'd get. Yeah, which is but pretty I'm... physical, by the way. <laughs> ping pong's so fun, but it takes a lot of concentration too. It's a real high IQ motor skill. It's fast and active. It's actually great for the brain. So I'm in a debate club, which I think is super because <laughs> I'm doing law A level and then I paired that with debate and I just love it even more, which is why I'm steering more towards barrister or something in negotiation. I'm a student governor. Yeah. So year 12 student governor, it means any issues that my sixth form has or that I notice, I can bring it up in governor meetings. And there are two of us, so both of us don't have to go. One time I wasn't feeling so great because I had other stuff during the day, so I yeah. asked the other one and she said yeah so it's good that it's not a full commitment where I have to be there every time it's good to have that backup sounds like for me you're growing your capacity and you're doing things without pressure but they're fun for you I think that's the key some people would look at debating and go oh my god that sounds so stressful but you love it and you're naturally gifted at it which is just super powerful so I'm still a student governor, right? Yes, I have that backup now. But the point is that I'm always working up towards something bigger, something better. So for year 13, I've already applied to be the student union president. So that's like president of like the prefects, head prefects and stuff. So when now that sentence of she's never going to be the same, that does come to me now because these are all things she wanted to do when she was in school. I want to be a prefect. I want to be the head girl. I want to do this. And she couldn't do it there. No. And now she's applying for it, but I'm holding my head in my hands. Like, what are you doing? You're doing too much. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's all right though, because another reason why I'm grateful for the CFS is if I pursued prefect and stuff back then with the skills I had then, I would not have been a very good one. I wouldn't be getting the most out of the role, I don't think, because knowing what I know now, the skills I'm building up now, I think I'm going to enjoy the role a lot more. And now it's also the years for like work experience. So getting work experience whenever I can. I have breaks from school, so I don't want to fill them all with work experience because I need no. a break too. So yeah. I haven't been taking many part-time jobs or work experience. I've been doing smaller things like a boot camp which was a two-day thing in London. It was really nice. And it opened my eyes to stuff like corporate law. So that's why I'm more in the exploratory stage when it comes yeah. to career. And you're at 17. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. You're blowing my mind. Before we wrap up, I just want to read out this last thing you wrote. And then I'd love you to share one kind of piece of advice that you'd like to share with others. And mum, I'm going to ask you the same question. You wrote here in the conclusion to the post to all the members, you said, in conclusion... This course was and continues to be massively helpful for my recovery journey, the social get-together, the baseline guides, sleep advice, and constant reminders that this process takes time were all vital stepping stones. 
baby steps, guys. You won't see your progress after every day, but whenever you do, reward yourself. You're doing great. With that being said, what's one bit of advice you'd like to pass on to other people who are in the program right now, maybe at their lowest point, or people around the world who aren't in the program who are at their lowest point? There's just so many aspects. I'd say a general advice is to just keep being happy where you are. I'd mm. say that's probably a really big factor for me. And if I wasn't optimistic, it probably would have made my journey a lot slower and a lot harder. So just being happy that it doesn't have to be like I did one press up today. It can be even smaller than that. It can be today I went downstairs and I had a really nice chat with my parents or just simply finding new things new ways to adapt, things I enjoy, just suddenly every little thing that I found new was somehow a positive influence on me. It either made me happy or it made something easier or made me feel more relaxed. For example, I love listening to music. Whenever I'm feeling down or maybe my thoughts are a bit too loud, I might listen to some music because that is like, it resets me. So mm. I found something that makes me happy and that makes me feel calm. So having something stable like that to keep going back to rather than a person, you'd want someone to be there for you all the time, but the truth of the matter is that's not always true. So mm. having something that I know is always there and I know always works, is something that's really good for me. Something that it's like an instant happy thing that's healthy. Have a toolkit. Yeah. But then again, it doesn't have to make you happy. Just make me feel good and not stressed not depressed. exactly no i love i think it's spot on optimism if you didn't have it it would have taken you twice as long probably maybe even longer to be honest because optimism is what creates the idea of possibility and then the idea of possibility means that you can do something within the time that you have right now and i think that's what so many people struggle with I might have recovered the same way but the whole point is that i wouldn't have been happy with my process just because you can move again doesn't mean that you've necessarily grown or gotten better. There are so many more aspects. That, from having CFS, there were so many other things I realized I could improve in my life that I didn't realize were problems before. So it sort of opened my eyes to a bunch of new things. Yeah. And for anyone who's either in the program and they're questioning, like, is it the right thing? Or for someone who wants to join the program but's not quite sure, what would you say to them, Neura? I'd say go for it because whilst there might be a lot of information, it might seem a bit overwhelming. I didn't watch everything. I didn't mm. attend every call. I literally took what I thought applied to me. And every single one of those where I went in with that mentality, I found helpful. It, it might have not even been the own question I asked. Someone else might have said a question that I was too embarrassed to say. And I got the answer I wanted. And I was like write that down I think it was totally worth it you know you don't need to waste money on other doctors and specialists who are going to give you half-baked answers or tell you depressing truths like you're never going to heal so it could be a single statement that one person says in one call that you happen to attend that changes your whole mentality or just lets everything fit into place and why would you want to miss out on that opportunity Thanks for sharing, Nura. It's just so great to see such an amazing young woman talk. You exude confidence and it's just so great to hear. Mum, any kind of words of wisdom for parents out there? Because I know there's lots of mothers who reach out to see if help all the time. They're sending emails like, my son or my daughter's really ill. What do I do? 
What would you like to say to those people out there who are just struggling at the moment? I would say this is literally the only thing you should do. And I'm probably going to cry. Unfortunately, we can't rely on what's out there. Who we think we assume knows about it. It's still the fact, as it was, like you said, however many years ago, they don't know hardly anything about CFS. So it just made sense that the people who've been through it, like you said, the hard way and made all the mistakes, you're trying to help people not make all the mistakes. You've been given a manual. So why wouldn't you take that? Somebody who's had the experience of it, I would rather listen to that. And that's what made me make the decision. And I also think it's not just for CFS anymore. Mm. I think burnout is common throughout our societies and modern day lifestyle everyone has some sort of burnout now i'm actually learning a lot from her i suffer with tension headaches and i've realized oh we're both givers oh we both give too much oh maybe i should learn to have some boundaries and i've started implementing some of the things that she's doing because i've seen it work and because we're quite close and we talk a lot sometimes she'll come to me and she'll be like this is what's yeah. going on and i'm like just Set a boundary. Stop that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm um, learning this later in life. And that's why she's grateful to have had it because she's learning these things early where hopefully she won't get some other chronic illness. Because our bodies are screaming out to us that there's something not right, whether it's your child or yourself. But as a parent, you are so helpless. And I'm so glad your thing popped up early on the list and the way it was worded and everything. It made me click it. But don't doubt yourself because you've got nothing to lose. That little amount of money is so worth more than every penny, mm. dime, whatever currency <laughs> you're using. Yeah, I have not looked back at all. I've already recommended it to so many people. Because mm. now a lot of people do have like things like long COVID and yes. they're telling me their symptoms or their partner's symptoms. And I'm like, you just need to do this course. It's not exactly CFS, but it will still help you. Mm. It's all about the baseline, really. I think the most important part is that if you sign up for it, you have to want it. You have to want to get better too and push yourself. And and I don't mean push as in push crash cycle. Maybe push yourself mentally to convince yourself that you do want it and that you are able to do it. Because mm. no matter how small, there is something you can do and it will be beneficial. Oh, you guys are so sweet. (laughs) Oh my God, stop. Thank you so much. (laughs) I'm so excited for your future. Please stay in touch. I want to watch you grow and blossom into the wonderful person that you are and that you're becoming. And mum, I'm so proud of you for making that search and not giving up and being trustful. It's hard, especially now where there's just a world of information. And when you're in a stress state, it's hard to make good decisions. And yeah, I just applaud you for not giving up the fight. And obviously, she's such an amazing young girl. And I can see why you did everything you could to basically help her help herself. So it's just wonderful to see you too. Thank you so much for being out there and for doing the work that you do. Because it's invaluable. And I really hope more and more people learn about your course and it's not that there are other cfs courses out there now you're not the only one anymore but it's still the best it's the way you explain it as well as living through it it's very real everyone on it's very real and it's a very safe place for her for me to trust her with it i didn't worry at all 
So thank you so much for giving us this blessing. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, keep spreading your wings. You're doing amazing. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. And thank you on behalf of everybody who <clears throat> is watching this and the team as well, everyone at CFS Health. It's not just me, it's everyone. So yeah, big thanks, big love, and we'll see you all soon. Thanks so much. Appreciate you. Bye. <laughs> hey, I hope this video was really helpful for you. If you haven't already, please hit the like button and feel free to leave a comment. What was your takeaway, your insight from today's video? It's really helpful to actually write your learnings down. We seem to embed it better and it seems to help us move forwards with life. Here are three ways we can help you right now whenever you're ready. The first way is make sure you add yourself into our free information recovery group on Facebook. We'll leave a link in the description below. It's a really supportive, encouraging place. There's no negative venting. You can ask questions to other people. There's something like seven, 8,000 people in there right now. And I'm sure by the time you're watching this video, there's even more. So go over there right now. We share success stories. We share our latest free trainings that come to the public. And we always share upcoming information about upgrades inside our program. And also when we offer free webinars or free information nights that can further help you with your own recovery. The second way we can help you, which is one of my favorite is through all our free trainings. We're going to leave a link in the description with our favorite free trainings that we know can help you start your recovery, whether that's through our baseline training, which will help you stop pushing and crashing our three stages of recovery to figure out exactly where you're at and know what to do next. Or my favorite, which is our guest panel workshop, which was actually exclusive for our members. It was so damn good that I actually asked them, can we share this to the public? They all said yes, all five of them. So thank you past members. They share their five recovery secrets and it's really powerful. There's tears, there's aha moments, there's real key insight and inspiration. And so whether you're a one out of 10 and you're really struggling right now, or whether you're further along in your recovery journey and you're integrating back into life, we have you covered. The third way we can help you is through our actual paid online recovery program, the mentorship recovery program. And if you are interested in getting proper help, a holistic comprehensive plan, professional coaching from the best coaches in the world, whether that's with mindset, movement, nutrition, restorative movement, reconditioning, integrating back into life, integrative medicine, baseline structure, routine, accountability, all things health and life. Feel free to apply for the program today. All you need to do is click on the form, cfshealth.com form, fill out the short two to three minute form application and the team will be in touch with all the details that you need to know about the program via email. So make sure you check your spam folder for all the free trainings. If you've sent through an application, please be patient. My team are real people, okay? They're not robots. So if we don't get back to you within seconds or hours, it's okay. <laughs> we will get back to you. If you don't hear from the team within two to three days, that means that it's basically gone to spam or junk and it's gone missing. So please send a follow-up email to the team at info at cfshealth.com. If you have any questions, go check it out. But I would highly recommend adding yourself into the free group right now. Go click on that link in the description. Go download all the free trainings. Honestly, 
the whole reason why this whole thing started is because when I went through this myself, it was so painful and so excruciating that I didn't want anyone else to have to go through it. And some of these free trainings are so damn valuable. Back then, I would have paid thousands of dollars for. We've had so many comments and emails and posts saying, oh my God, the baseline training was a game changer for me. Toby, I've been doing this now for three months and I'm feeling so much better. My symptoms are decreasing. I've got more stamina. I've got more energy. I'm able to do more things. So, you know, whether you're learning from us and consuming our content through our free format, I'm so stoked. Whether that's in our paid program, I don't really care. Either way, all I want to make sure is that you are moving forwards. You are starting to really implement this work. And that's really what it's all about. Once we implement, we make change and we start to move forwards. Sending you a ton of love. Of course, feel free to consume as much of the YouTube videos as you like. There's so many really, really great ones, new and old. Sending you a ton of love and uh, speak to you very, very soon. All the best for now.